Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> What's happening, people? And welcome back to It's All Black Academic. And I emphasize the back because we have been away doing physical studio shows for a year now. But we're so, so excited to be back in the studio amongst our guests, doing great shows, great content. We did do season five online, which had some, we had a lot of fun doing that. But we much prefer doing shows in person. So we're very, very excited to be delivering some really good and I think needed and important discussions uh, this season over the next few months. Um, before I get into this week's discussion, just a signpost to send everybody to other parts of our site. You'll see we now have a whole variety of content from articles, podcasts, as well as other new shows in production. By the time this comes out, this show, they should be on our platform as well. So go and check out blackademic.com and check out a lot of our other content and shows. Um, so let's get to this week's discussion. I think it's a show that needs to be done by us because it's a discussion that's very prevalent and very current at the moment. I think we need to have a ch chat about vaccine hesitancy. We're still in a lockdown, some lockdown of, of, of some kind of form. And the vaccine is now being rolled out and to all, all official and government um, uh, workers, they'll tell you that it's been a success. But there's still a lot of people in this country, black and non-black, who are not on it at all. They're not on this jab thing. They're not interested in taking it. And I think we need to discuss why and how much of those, those issues are actually um, prevalent and, and genuine. So I'm joined by three fantastic guests on the show. So I've got on the show with me here. Um, we have starting off with Leon McFarlane, who's a senior researcher um, at Imperial College, where they're actually working to create um, a COVID-19 vaccine. I've got Zuby here, who is an author, rapper, and podcaster who's not on this jab thing at all. He's not on it, he's not, he's not having any of it, and also has strong suspicions about the virus and the lockdown itself. And finally, but not least at all, I've got here Vanessa Apia, who is a clinical lead for Sexual Health at Bart's Trust. Vanessa is also very passionate about reducing inequalities in healthcare. Guys, thank you so much for joining me on the show this week. We did a poll on our, on our social media platforms and we asked people who's taking the vaccine and who's not. Mm. And we had a 52% um, majority um, in favor of taking it, but that's obviously a lot of people who are not gonna be taking this jab. Mm. Let me start with you, Leon, um, by asking you why you think so many people are hesitant about taking this vaccine. In particular, in my circles, I'm around more black people than, than, than not. It seems to be, and I could be wrong, it seems to be more black people that are hesitant about this vaccine. Do you understand why they're hesitant and why are they wrong to be hesitant about taking it? I think there's a lot of hesitancy based off the inherent distrust of 
who they see promoting taking vaccines. There's a lot of inherent distrust in just like the general understanding of how government and that side of things work. Um, people who are actually representing us in terms of media, okay, fair enough, it's different now, now that you see uh, Lenny Henry or other people promoting saying, okay, vaccines, we should take this as an actual community. But most of the time it is white scientists, most of the time it is white people within government that are saying, yes, we must take this without actually explaining and making us understand the science behind it. The other thing that always pushes distrust is also negative media that's been floating around via WhatsApp and via other social platforms. And negative media generally, once it's put out there, spreads like wildfire, it becomes the new epidemic in that sense. Vaccines are important essentially to train our immune systems to get to prevent us being infected with things that are going on. And with the current situation, I think by having that barrier and protecting our communities, vaccines are definitely necessary. So it's a communications problem, Zubi. Mm. The, the fact that it's not enough black scientists and doctors explaining what this vaccine vaccination process is all about, that's creating a distrust amongst people like yourself that are just like either hesitant at best. What, your worst case, you're, not, you're just saying, I'm not on it at all. <laughs> what, what's the rationale, first of all, okay. behind you not taking it? And do you, do you agree that it's a communications problem? Okay, um, yeah, so there's, well, where do I begin with this? There's a lot of facets. So me personally, I've already had COVID. I already have the immunity that people are seeking to get with via this vaccine. Uh, so for me personally, there's literally zero reason to take it for myself personally. In terms of the wider situation, um, I think that the racial aspect of it exists, but I think that actually it's a sideline to a lot of the bigger problems that people have around it. Um, there are, there are multiple aspects to it. I mean, the vast majority of people I know who are so-called vaccine hesitant or who won't be taking this are not black. You know, it's, it's primarily uh, white people because it's a white majority country and most of the people I talk to are um, white by, by definition because of that. So, but I think the, the racial aspect is a component, but there's a much, much, much bigger, uh, people have much bigger concerns and questions around the whole thing that have nothing to do with the people who are communicating it. Number one is just about need. Okay, number one is about need. And my position is I'm not, um, you know, I'm not against the vaccination. I hope the vaccination actually works really, really well, not just because I personally know several people who have taken it and will be taking it, but because I want, like everyone else, right, we, we, we want this thing to end. My concerns are around elements of coercion, you know, around people being bullied or threatened or shamed or whatever, people trying to force people to take it, right? And then so, but starting out with the need, the, the mathematics as we know, you know, in the UK and virtually in every country, 88% plus of people who have been dying with COVID-19 are people who are over the age of 60 with existing comorbidities. If you are young and healthy, virtually everyone in this room, I presume, the survival rate is approaching 100%. Right? Okay. It's approaching 100%. So in terms of people's actual need to, and that's just a fact, right? So, which is a good fact, by the way. Um, so if you're pushing this to an 18-year-old or a 28-year-old even, or even a 38-year-old, let alone children, then the need, especially if in the communication you're also saying that this is to reduce the individual symptoms, not necessarily to stop them from getting it or from transmitting it, then the cell is like, what's the cell there? 
right? There's, there's, no, there's no sell. Like it doesn't even logically make sense for someone to go, okay, I'm gonna jump at the opportunity to take that. So, so that's, that's actually what I think is the main factor is the- so I, I wanna get to okay, the wider issue as to why people sure, sure. are hesitant, because I think okay, there are okay. wider reasons beyond Absolutely. just the jab itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me come to you then. So um, Zuby's saying that most people that he knows who are whites are also quite hesitant about mm -hmm. it as well. So I, I don't, I don't want to say, oh, sorry, sorry. I the white people that you know, there's a lot of them that don't. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to say most of the white people. Sure, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry yeah, to reword that. So, people who are hesitant, yeah. the majority I'll, are white. I'll reword that. So yeah. I don't know any white person that at work or in my circle mm -hmm. who is not hesitant, who's hesitant about it. Mm -hmm. They're all quite, you know, universally, we're taking it, we need this. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing, is it fair for me to say that it's mainly black people that are hesitant about taking the job? So I think, I, I think it is fair to say that, but I do think, and I take on board what Zuby says, is that I do know many people of all ethnicities who are like, I'm cautious, I want to know more, I want to understand more. But I do think that when we look at the data and we look at the people that we're speaking to, and by default, I do a lot of work with a lot of black communities, and so I'm hearing it more, and maybe because I'm black, they're very open with me, so they just tell me their, their concerns. So I think it's across the board, but I do definitely think that we're seeing it more in black communities, yeah. And are the reasons they're giving that you're hearing, are they, are they fair or, because there's, there's a wide extremity of reasons as to why people don't want to take the jab. How much, or, or on that spectrum, how much of it is legitimate, how much of it is just fear mongering and nonsense? So, do you know what, what I always say about this is that I think for most reasons why people don't want to take the vaccine, it is legitimate, it's understandable, because even if it's based on inaccurate information from social media, it's legitimate because they've received it and they've, they've got no way of un understanding whether it's right or wrong. So it's based on that information. But I do think that the mistrust that has been uh, mentioned is a big crux of it. Um, it's a big crux of whether people feel seen, valued, advocated for. There are definite reasons why people are concerned. I mean, you look at research in the past, there's episodes of unethical medical research. You don't want to deny that. And in the work that I do, I see that the, making a decision about vaccines is like a journey. Some of us adopt it really early on and some of us take a longer time to engage with it. And that journey is determined by so many things. And one of the things is that people feel, you know what, I know in the 70s that there was a syphilis study which was um, in Alabama men. Um, and it, was, it started when there was no treatment for syphilis. And it was a, a study to really understand what's the, what's the natural history of syphilis. But then as that went on, Treatment came out, but they weren't given treatment. Okay. And so they were just monitored all that way. And so their children got congenital syphilis. They passed it on to their wives. So knowing that in some people's lifetime right here, knowing that it was until just recently when Bill Clinton said sorry to the black mm -hmm. communities, mm -hmm. we know of it. So we know that that's happened. It isn't a lie. But um, I feel things have changed significantly. Okay. Um, and I feel that as part of my work is to explain that, to say that I respect you, I acknowledge it, but things have changed. And I feel that things have changed for the better for research. Um, Leon, how dangerous, you referred to earlier on about the fact that a lot of this stuff is floating around on social media and WhatsApp and things that are, I'm sure you would say, wildly untrue. How dangerous is it? How dangerous is it that in the black community in particular, where we're being told we are dying of COVID at a higher rate, how dangerous is it for have, to have people then say, I'm not taking it because of X, Y, Z reason? Well, I think it's one of those things where it's dangerous in terms of 
when there's no logical reason, I, yeah, again, everyone has a very specific reason. Those who are hesitant to taking this vaccine or taking one of the many vaccines, everyone does have a personal reason. I get that. But it's dangerous when, yeah, again, other things are latched onto those reasons and there's not really an actual basis behind not wanting to take it. And when I say it's dangerous, I'm trying to think what's the, what's the specific reason I would come up with. Hmm. I think... If I can uh -huh. jump in, I think mm -hmm. misinformation in general is a concern, mm -hmm. whether it comes from so-called mainstream media or it comes from so-called experts or it comes from so-called conspiracy theorists. I think people want information, right? I'm yep. big on sticking to information, sticking to facts, and there's always going to be fringe people with like some kooky <laughs> idea, right? You know, I yep. saw... Mm -hmm. Some uh, like Ayatollah in some country came out and said, you know, the vaccine makes people gay, which is, you know, like that's Yeah, which is, 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 <laughs> right, which right, is right. illogical. Yeah, 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 yeah there's, there's some stuff out there. Uh -huh. But I think the majority of people who are who have concerns and questions, the questions and concerns are totally valid. And I think actually it makes people more hesitant and skeptical when they're not listened to. Mm. Right. So if anyone who asks a question, one thing that's been really bizarre over this past year is a lot of people who are pushing, whether they're pushing for the masks or they're pushing for lockdowns or they're pushing for vaccines, is they want to just label and dismiss anyone who has genuine questions or concerns in many cases, mm -hmm. right? So if someone is, has a question about this vaccine in particular, they're labeled an anti-vaxxer mm -hmm. or they're labeled a conspiracy. And it's like, no, they're, they're asking a fair question. They're raising a fair point. And it's not just a big question isn't just about why um, people are hesitant to take it. It's also why should they? Right? Why, why should they? And that, that argument, I think if you're over 80 years old, then this, the, the sort of pros and cons leans very heavily towards taking the vaccine, right? I've never heard a good reason why a healthy 25-year-old should take Can it. I try? I'm open to it. Can go, I ahead. Go, go ahead. Go so ahead. There's, there's go a couple of things. Two so, attempts. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, I think, so one of the things I wanted to pick out is that, so I've had COVID as well. Sure. Awful, um, but I'm here and I'm very thankful. But it does generate immunity, but that immunity doesn't last. Mm -hmm. So we know that it, it goes, it lasts about three to five months. Mm -hmm. But after that time, the level of immunity goes down. So that's why we do encourage people to take the vaccine, even if they've had COVID, because then what the vaccine does is that it boosts your immune system. But the key thing is that it keeps it at a level that is giving adequate protection. Whereas when we've had it and it over time, it goes down without anything pumping it Doesn't up. Doesn't the vaccine also go down? How it long, does, no, how long no. does it last for? So, I like that. Yeah. It, it definitely He's does. On it. He's no, on no, it. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, because I think this is exactly it. So it does go down, but what we understand at present is that it stays, it stays up longer than natural immunity. But you bring in a good point there because are we going to say in the future that we may need a booster? Yeah, we may a, need it thing. yearly like the flu mm -hmm. vaccine? Probably. So I do think that that is, that is a really fair thing. But I do think that right now where we are, I had it in December. So, you know, I'm getting to the May point. So, and I've had my vaccine, but I've getting to the May point. And so at that point, you know, that's five months, is, it, it would have likely gone down significantly mm -hmm. without it. So then the, the vaccine gives me that added layer of benefit. Sure. The other thing, because I, I really respect what you're saying about... Um, just about having a good reason. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like things like this. Mm -hmm. Because the thing that I've been really, I don't, I don't know, it sounds a bit, but proud of, of our communities with vaccines is that we've come together and said, I don't know what you guys are saying, but I want to know what's happening in our communities. Mm -hmm. And then in those spaces, it's been like honest, 
um, open, safe spaces to talk about your concerns. But for younger people, what I say is that you're, you're right. The risk of death from COVID is much higher when you're older. But, and when you're younger, the risk of death and severe outcomes is really small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But mm -hmm. COVID isn't all about death. Mm. And COVID in itself, if you look at people, so long COVID, which is having longer term effects from having acquired COVID, we've got over a million people with long COVID. We don't even fully understand it yet. Mm -hmm. And it's, it doesn't um, relate to the severity that you had it. So you can have mild infection, virtually nothing, and then get long COVID and be unwell for a longer time. And that and will manifest in many other ways exactly. as well, which wouldn't normally be associated with a viral infection. Exactly. Which and definitely so, causes issues. So for, for me, I understand what you're saying about, um, you know, it's, it, it's not about, it's, it's, you know, the risk of death in younger people is lower. You're right. But it's not just about death. It's about quality of life. It's about, um, we're, a, we're a family based, um, I, I, don't, I don't know to be overly, but you know, we, inter, we, we have intergenerational contact. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so by, by us not protecting our older relatives, mm -hmm. we add that sense of risk. So it is about collective responsibility. So before you, before you have your turn, are you around anyone who has underlying health conditions or over 60? So yeah, my parents. Even, even if, right, so you don't have any concerns that- They're vaccinated. Okay. Okay, so the people that are most vulnerable vaccinated, yeah. why the hell do I need to get exactly. vaccinated? Exactly. You're up, dude. The other issue is, people who have asymptomatic infections. So for example, I was infected with COVID and didn't even know. Okay. So that, and then with that sort of thing, if it's a case where I can be infected and then pass it on to other but people. Isn't this asymptomatic spread thing a bit of a myth? No, I wouldn't okay, say it's a myth at all. But they've, the so-called experts, people from the World Health Organization, CDC, mm. et cetera, came out multiple times last year and said that you know, asymptomatic spread does not drive, is not driving this pandemic. It seems like everything we've been doing with all these measures is based around this whole idea of act like you've got it, asymptomatic spread, everyone could be ill, everyone could have it. And the actual evidence for that seems very weak. It's something people just repeat and parrot. But if you, I mean, firstly, we know that you can get, you can test positive without, there are false positives. So mm -hmm. it's possible you test, it could be a false positive. But even if you did have it, if you're not, if you if you have no symptoms and you're not coughing or sneezing or feverish or feeling ill, et cetera, my understanding is that your actual probability of spreading that to someone is so close to zero that it's certainly not worth upending everything else. Is that fair? Is that accurate? Well, it may be low, but then there's still a possibility of passing on. But so you just kind of have like an I, invisible sentinel that passes that, through the community. I get that, but mm -hmm. we've existed our entire lives. We've had viruses. We have the flu season every single year, kills thousands of people every single year. We've, we have all these viruses. We, we've always had some of this, right? I mean, I think I'd be interested, does anyone here, has anyone here consistently over the past decade gotten the flu jab? One person? Anyone else? Never had it. Okay. <laughs> Why? Because lots of these same arguments apply, right? This is, this is the thing. So, 
And we've never, ever, ever in my lifetime made a big deal. I've, I've never been called an anti-vaxxer for not taking a, a flu vaccine, and I've never seen people kind of going. So that's something that, that, that I hear so a lot of, from, a, especially from yeah, again so black people. They're like, yeah. "Hang on a minute, the flu kills people, man. The flu is the flu's not a joke." Every year, so why do we not make a big yeah, deal about that? So it, it, flu isn't a joke. Um, we do make a big deal out of it, but you're um, not, not demonised. You said earlier on for people that. No, are, yeah. Yeah. Can, people, can people, I just say? I'll be really clear. I hate the term anti-vaxxer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hate the term about demonizing. No, no, no one said it. I'm no, just, no, 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 no. I'm just saying. Like, what, I, I, I want to say it so that people yeah, know yeah. because I, I advocate for the vaccine, sure. but I advocate for informed decisions. Yes. And so you know, and so I think we're and, actually all on the same yeah, side. Exactly. Really. Yeah, exactly. And, no <laughs> yeah. and no one should be shamed about they don't want it. So I, I, I do say that. But the thing about COVID is on a different level. You, you, for some. For some. But for young people, the flu is more dangerous. But the, no, I, I, and I understand that. But we've never been in a time where everything has collided as much as it has with COVID. And so any disease that we're talking about, even if in like even sexually transmitted diseases, so, you know, chlamydia, it, it passes on through asymptomatic transmission. You don't know, for most people, they don't know they've got it and it's key to that transmission. Yes, COVID is different, it's airborne, you know, there's many different factors. But I think the key thing is, is that there are many different ways of transmitting COVID. There are many different levels of risk, but put us all together in one room, put us all together in one country, all of those become relevant. Sure. And I think that's my thing about it. Do you think, I'll put this to you first, Leon, there's a disrespect of experts? So if you've got medical people, professionals that are saying, we think you should do X, Y, Z to increase your chances of, of fighting it off slash staying alive, and people are saying, no, no, I know, I know that you're a medical expert, but I'm not listening yeah. to you. Uh, so can I, yeah, can no, I just no, jump no, in real quick? Can, I, yeah, I think... I'm not saying um, that person, by the way, no, but no, I'm just no, saying no, someone, no. That, so, someone that's going to give think, advice. I think over the, over the past year, if people have lost trust in so-called experts, a lot of that is the fault of those own experts for getting so many things wrong and lying to people multiple times, moving the goalposts, changing things. I'm not talking about present company here. Are you lying to anyone? Whether you're looking at... Um, you know, the so-called experts in the UK or the so-called experts in the USA or the WHO or the CDC, whatever it is, just in the past year, they went from saying explicitly, this time last year, explicitly telling people not to wear masks, masks do not work, you don't need to wear a mask, and then they switched to you should one, to you must wear one, to now they're even saying people should be wearing two. And they've never explained, okay, what... You were lying. You were lying, or you were wrong at some point here. Mm -hmm. So, which is the truth, right? Do masks work, or do they not? And when people see that, and then they see another thing, and they see another thing, so it is makes that going back to your his first answer that the, the the communication of what needs to be done and what the terrible. problem is is so bad. Yeah. People are just like, as you said, you're either lying mm -hmm. or you're blagging it. Yeah. Either way, I'm gonna just yeah. I'm gonna make my own decision. This all started with two weeks to slow the spread and flatten the curve. Yeah, all of this. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I, I completely respect that. I think that um, the way that the messaging from the beginning was not clear um, and it did change. One of the things I do talk about with people though is that science changes and our learning changes and often time is the best information giver. But what you need to do is tell people that from the beginning. So tell people right now, I'm telling you not to wear a mask, but we are learning. And if things change, we'll tell you. But they didn't have that strap line. So they told us not to do something. And then they came back and they jumped and told us to do something. So that gap allowed a lot of mistrust. And so I, 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 do, I do say that I do acknowledge that. 
on a, the thing about, you know, are we disrespecting medical people, etc. I think that I, I like what you say, because it's about those people that have given the information, they're accountable for it. You know, I say that honest, transparent, respectful conversations are all that is needed in this and honest, um, transparent messaging. So if I people say to me about um, variants and like, you know, am I going to need a booster? And I'm like, I'm not sure 100 percent, but you may do. <laughs> yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. We, we may have side effects which are mm. going to come out. Mm. I don't know. But at the moment, I can tell you, yeah. from what I know, it is safe. From what I know, the benefits outweigh the risks. Something, something else that I've, I've also heard from a lot of people, some family members as well, is that the numbers that we're reporting on the news of people who die from COVID, people are skeptical about those numbers. We don't know so, the number. Well, and, and to, to kind of give that a, a real, real time example, mm. I know a few people that have said they have lost someone in the last year. They've lost someone to, they might have been ill or sick pre-COVID. They've gone into hospital for whatever they need to get done to them. And on, on, the, on the certificate, it says they died from COVID. When the reality is that person was sick and going to die anyway. And the, infl the inflaming of the numbers is being used as a tool to make people in this country, look, you need to wash your hands, you need to wear a mask. And, and are, are, those people, yeah. are those people kind of, I mean, that, Ridiculous, that, or, 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 or the numbers that we're being told <laughs> from the mainstream, correct and accurate and to be taken seriously. Well, this is the thing, how uh, it, it's, it's a difficult one because what would the correct number be, sort of thing? And um, in terms of the way how things are, it is a dire situation as it is. It, you just don't know what the correct answer yeah. is. It's, and it's difficult for the health professionals as well because, yet again, what message do you put out there? And another issue is when you've got many different countries, when, like, instead of us just looking at the UK itself, many different countries going with different rules and different regulations, it is a garbled message. But yet again, as you said, Vanessa, um, a clear message and basically saying how this is a dynamic situation in terms of the science is definitely necessary. So you're creating the vaccine at Imperial. Mm -hmm. Do you have faith that the government will translate the message of taking your pill, should it come through? Mm -hmm. do, do you think they'll mess that up as well? Or do you have faith that the government once you've signed off your thing, you know what I mean? Well, you've got a lot of hard work in creating the pill. If the messaging is the, is the problem, your hard work ain't gonna go nowhere. I think it's the case where, as we already have what we've just licensed, the third vaccine here with the Moderna, I think as there's quite a few vaccines already out, I don't think they'll mess up the Imperial version. And the reason why I say that is because now there's a lot more information out there. And yeah. I think in terms of the message, it should be clear onto what what the the benefits of having this is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, oh, sorry. No, 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 I just, um, I feel like, you know, the numbers thing, I just have to pick up on, and because it's a personal thing to me, is because there will always be examples where, um, and again, I respect it when someone says, you know, I know that my father um, had heart disease and had a heart attack, um, but he went in, he didn't have COVID, then went in, and then COVID was written there. There will be examples of that. But, I tell you, I have never seen what I have seen with COVID in our hospitals. It has been on a, it's on a different level. Talk me through it. I think that people, it's really difficult because it's a balance of, you don't want to scare people all the time. You don't want to throw fear into people all the time. But if I give you an example that um, over, over Christmas into the new year, you know, to go into ITU and to see it like you normally will have 30 to 40 and then you've got 150 in ITU, all with COVID. 
you know, it was decimating our society. Yes. And I think, you know, the numbers are important, but I think it's the magnitude that's important. Like people get focused on, you know, whether it's 14,000 on this day or 13,500. It's the trend is important and the, and the overall, um, the overall magnitude, but it was, it, it was, it, it was having a devastating impact on us, mm. regardless of the exact numbers. And I think that um, when many people minimize that, I, I I, I get impassioned about yeah. it because yeah. I feel yeah. we were there, we were seeing it, no, and I, um, uh -huh. I never want to see it again like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Can I can I jump in here? Because I think I think there's, I feel like there's you, you kind of get the dishonesty. There can be dishonesty on two sides of this, right? So I think there are people who I mean, first you know there are I I, I literally know people who don't think COVID even exists, yeah. right? Um, so there's that, and there are people who you know don't. So I have. My, my dad is an NHS consultant. Mm. My brother is an NHS doctor. My brother's wife is an NHS doctor. So I've been having these conversations. Everything you just said, mm. I was having that conversation. I've had this conversation with my brother, my brother's wife. Like I know what the real life situation is mm. in the ICU, which most people don't see, yeah. right? If you're there, you see, I haven't seen it with my own two yeah. eyes, um, but you know, I trust my brother saying it. I trust my dad saying it, et cetera. Um, so there's that, but then also if you look at the way the numbers are counted, so the official way of counting the numbers is a death within 28 days of a positive test. That's the official, that's how it's counted. So I, if I crashed my car on the 2nd of February and died in a car crash, I would be counted as a, as a COVID death, right? So the fact that people don't know the real numbers and the fact that it's, it's very obvious that that way of counting numbers is, number one, it's disingenuous. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Right? It's disingenuous and people can see that. And it's also going to inflate, it also inflates the numbers. So I'm not here trying to say, oh, nobody died of COVID. Like, it's not a thing, right? But then also if someone says 130,000 people in the UK died from COVID, I'm like, that's not true, mm -hmm. right? That's not true. Like, you don't know, 130 people died within, 130,000 people died within 28 days of a positive COVID test. And what percentage of that 
died from COVID versus something else. I, I don't know. But the mm. fact that we don't know, yeah. that's another part. There, there are many things all throughout the story of the past 14 months mm. from the very origin of the virus yeah. in China to, um, you know, the, the changing messaging on masks and on social distancing and then the, the way the vaccine has been rolled out and the way it's being pushed. And now people talking about vaccine passports and freedom cards and all these coercive tactics all of these things combined, and then all the nonsensical rules. You know, you walk in a, ma- a restaurant, you have to wear a mask as you walk in, mm-hmm. you sit down, you take it off. In some countries, when I was in Romania, they have an outdoor mask mandate. I was rolled on by the police. I was standing outside by, my, I was standing outside by myself, calling an Uber at 9 p.m. Nobody around me. I get approached by the police because I'm not wearing a mask. I'm like, this is not science, mm-hmm. right? I'm standing here by myself. Mm-hmm. So people see all of these different things, and all of this, um, you know, I think, as we said, you know, there's there's questions around the, the, the vaccine itself, but I think that it's it's all compounded and it's multiplied by the, just the events of the past 14 months where it's like, you know, let alone going back to previous years, you mentioned the Tuskegee experiment, et cetera. All of these things combined in some people's brains, it's like, okay, well, who, who am I trust? Who am I trusting here? Who am I trusting here? So something that's coming that's been happening recently um, are the the stats around reported blood clots that yeah. come from taking mm-hmm. um, the, the vaccine. And I must stress that these blood clots are very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Joint Committee for Vaccination and Immunisation, JCVI, um, they've been putting out these stats saying that you can, you know, mm-hmm. get blood clots from taking these vaccines, but they're very, 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 very rare. Mm-hmm. What have you guys made of, of that? And is that adding to more of the hesitancy amongst a lot of people? Or the fact that they've been stressing how rare it is Mm-hmm. is the way to combat them. It told you the truth. You yeah. can get a blood clot from taking a yeah. vaccine, but it's like one in, I think, two and a half, one in 250,000 chances of getting it. Yeah. Is that reporting better? So you're being honest, but you're also giving context as well. On a personal note, I think that reporting is better. Um, I think that through the pandemic, um, there's been a lot of learning and, you know, we can talk about it later about what we should be doing next because what you're saying about... Um, the inconsistency with the numbers and things like that. I think all those things we need to feed back and advocate for our communities and say, this is why we've been concerned and we want things to change in the future. So I think that is really important. The thing with the blood clots, I think, um, what I used, what I say all the time when I'm talking about vaccines is that, like I'm saying, we know information up until now, but the key thing about the vaccine rollout is that there is ongoing review. There's ongoing assessments. And as things come out, we will be told and then we a decision will be made as to what will happen. And I think it's uncomfortable for people because you're seeing science unfolding. And normally we're not even part of that. You are. That's yeah, your life. Exactly. Part of me is, is part of my life. But for most people, it isn't. So mm. right now we're rolling out science in front of everyone and everyone's like, is this how it works? So is yes. it unreasonable then for people to say, all right, I'll wait. Finish, finish what you've got to do. No. It's a process. We get it. It might yeah. take six months. Yeah. Finish what you're doing. Yeah. And then I'll take the job. So, and many people have said that to me. Mm-hmm. And what I say to them is that respect that. Again, we're on a journey. And it depends when you want to come into that journey. I say that um, we are in the pandemic right now. And we want things to come back to some kind of normality. We want things to come some back of safety. And that requires more of us to get on the journey and and take it up sooner rather than later. Does it though? 
Well, I don't buy. I don't see. I don't. I don't buy that. No, and I and I, there were so many different it. discussions about yeah. it about what percentage of people you need to make sure that we've got adequate cover within within um, uh, a population. But again, for me, in response to that, is that we are not all living out all the restrictions in the same way. Now, let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Everyone's got their own so personal ways that they want to... You know, I've, 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 I've been... I, I, sometimes you feel like I'm the one that, like, you know, a friend comes to the door and I'm, like, waving and I'm not letting them step over my threshold. Um, you know, whereas others, you know that everyone's meeting because, you know, they don't seem like they're missing each other. So you know they've seen each other last week. So I completely get that. But I think... So that's one of the things, isn't it? That not everyone is you know, living out the restrictions in the same way. And so it is very difficult to then model everything. So you, you have to model it on what you know. Can I ask a really mm. just simple question, which I've never heard a good answer for? Mm. <laughs> if everyone who is scared of this thing, whether or, and or vulnerable, has been vaccinated, why do they care about the rest? Like, why are people who have been vaccinated trying to push this on other people. If everyone who wants it and who has a concern or whatever has been vaccinated and they've had both doses, what are, what are they concerned about? As I said, both my parents fully vaccinated, right? In their 60s and 70s. Um, I've got immunity because I've had COVID, so I have the natural antibodies. But even if I didn't, people are talking as if I somehow pose a threat to them. Um, if I didn't, which doesn't make sense. Like, that's not, that's not logical. I've never heard the logical argument. Okay, if everyone who, who wants it and is vulnerable and or is vulnerable has had it, like, chill. Like, what, why, are, why are people then running around trying to get everyone else to take it? I think, yeah, again, it all, goes, it all goes off the basis of protection. It, the more people that do have it... Protecting though, who, though? Everyone. That's the way how I see it. And it's, it's, but, more, but it's more because we, just, because we don't understand fully mm. the mechanisms behind... The spread mechanisms of how this virus does what it does, what it does. We have information, yes, but it's still new to us. Yeah. It's so, still so, so, so to cover ourselves, the more people but, have it. Exactly, but, the more people that. So is the vaccine. <clears throat> what are the long-term effects of it? But for my thing, on a personal note, why I do all this and I talk about people with that, is that what do we do? Okay, so I throw it back because it, for me and like for any health inequality that is out there. I, I think a lot of it is rooted. I, I, I a lot of it is rooted in that um, people aren't, as I always say, seen, valued, or advocated for. They're not consistently doing that all the time. We know that we've got a disease that, for whatever reason, whatever many layers that are causing it, we are seeing black people, we are seeing Asian people, other minority ethnic groups that are. I have another point on that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that are, are, are um, more significantly affected by COVID. So my driver is that I don't want to see that. And if there is something that can break the chain, and we know that it's Vitamin predominantly D. safe. Vitamin D. No, well, we will come on to that. We know that something that um, um, the, the benefits outweigh the risks, then I'm going to encourage people and let them know the information. And again, if you don't want to take it, you don't. But please know the information about I'm, I'm, it. I'm, I'm, so I'm so really the first thing I think you're going to pick up on this as well is the stat that we've been, we've been hearing the stat from, from the start of this, 2.5 times more likely black people mm -hmm. need to be able to be getting COVID than anybody else. Mm -hmm. What is that based off of? What is that? Because I, I, for me, that looks like, okay, in areas like here, where if I'm in South London, all right, where I'm from, the bus drivers 
are mainly black. Mm -hmm. The cleaners in hospitals are probably going to be black or Asian. Mm -hmm. So that's probably why they're more likely to get it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing genetically no. mm -hmm. different about black bodies that makes them predisposed to getting no, it than white. It's the urban areas. I mean, I think it's worth considering. You guys all live in London, right? Yes. Sir. Okay. So I I don't live in London. I mean, if you live outside of London, Birmingham, say Manchester, like the UK's, the UK's like way wider than most people in <laughs> in London and Birmingham. There's more than London? No, I, I, like people know that, but I think when people when people live, especially, yeah, yeah. No, but when people live and grow up in London, they they I think they actually develop like a an idea that the UK's way more uh, ethnically diverse than it actually yeah, for is. Sure, right. For sure. as, mm. as a musician, I've traveled literally every city in this, mm. in this country. And the demographics are starkly different. I mean, black people are what two percent of the population. I think three, uh, yeah. yeah, two three percent. Um, in London, I don't know what that number is. It might be as high as thirty or so. Right? Otherwise, so, in London, but yeah. So, and and if, if you look at obviously where COVID has hit hard, like London, I mean, I don't know the numbers. Probably up to fifty percent, maybe even more than fifty percent of the cases in London, or a, a large percentage mm -hmm. in London. Just like in New York, it was constant. Sorry, in USA, it was concentrated. It was. New York was yeah. hit very hard, New Jersey, et cetera. So I think we know that, I think is what you're getting at, right? There's a lot of black people and Asian people in, in London. positions where... And, yeah, and in London, just in that locality yeah, yeah, yeah. where it got hit really hard. So, But London's not the whole country, as you're saying. So no, it's not. But, but, but what I mean is London was hit way harder than the whole country. Right? I, I live in Southampton. Mm. Southampton, like, as far as I know, there could never even have been... Uh, if if I didn't see people wearing masks and see stuff on social media, would I even know anything's going on over the past year? No, right? Whereas if you're in certain cities, some places have just been hit a lot harder. Mm -hmm. um, if you live in London, you'll see that. If you live in New York City, you'll see that. If you live in some places. But if you live in, I don't know, uh, Scunthorpe or, mm. or Scarborough or in Northern Wales or in parts of Scotland, et cetera, um, there hasn't been much. So I think that disproportionality it would be interesting to look at that with that asp just that demographic aspect yeah. factored in because it could be a little bit of a red herring. So, so there are different things to it. So in East London, completely get one of the most um, diverse um, communities and also um, lower socioeconomic status for, for many. Um, we did a study looking at the admissions to our local hospitals, and we were we saw a definite um, increase in the risk of death amongst Black and Asian people. So we saw that. Completely recognise that um, our dem it, it, it could be reflective of our demographic. But what I say is that I'm so glad that you said that there's no genetic basis. And actually, you know, race and ethnicity are social constructs, and we are determined by our social our social con social context. And there are many layers to it. So there's a privilege of prevention. So like you're saying, many of us are in frontline roles, um, whether it's in health, whether it's in um, uh, transport, et cetera. Many, many of us are in zero hour contracts. So we don't have a choice, you know, for you to stay home and then you're not gonna eat and you're not gonna have anything. That's a definite yep. element of that. I think, you know, having a, a home and Wi-Fi, but socioeconomic status, all of that feeds into it. Um, and it is multiple layers. We don't understand it all. The vitamin D thing. That seems really key and people overlook that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's overlooked because it's encouraged to say for people to have, you know, your supplementation. I don't, I think the problem I have with things um, like um, vitamin D is that it then, 
then people focus on that and don't focus on the other things that drive inequalities, such as racism. And racism cuts across where you live. It cuts across your residential segregation. It cuts across your education, housing, everything. So I think that there are many levels to it. Um, and we've got to do a lot more research to understand. And we've got to speak to our communities as well. I want to just, um, just final part of this, talk about the two P words, uh, the politics and the passport. So let's start with the, with the passport. Who's pro a vaccine passport? Mm. Oh dear. I, I think, please not don't know Please not I think it's dynamic. It's one of those things where, yeah, again, you have to kind of think of it as, well, we want to, as like a community, yeah, as a population, we kind of want to get closer to a normality. It's not right? normal. I don't, I, don't, I don't feel, I think it's one of those things where if there was a passport right now, right, um, it's the case where you prevent spread, you prevent certain things from happening. But then I think as things start to open up, as we start to understand more and get closer to that normality, that's when a passport would not be necessary at all. So it's, so it's now or don't bother I with think it. it's more now and then change the idea later on. But it all depends. Yeah, again, it's a dynamic situation. So it's not a, I don't think it's a yes or no there's sort of more, There's it. nothing more permanent than a temporary government so, program. So, so let, yeah. me, let, me put it to, <laughs> let me put it to you then. So you're yes. saying you're not in favor of it at all? Absolutely, one billion percent. The, the, no, the, I would fight, I'd literally physically fight that. The murmurs coming in are, are, are sounding like the government are trying to slyly and slowly yeah. get used to the, get us used to the idea that this might be a thing for us the year. No, we need to fight that. If that happens, what are you prepared to sacrifice? I'll leave the country. You would leave the country, so leave think, the whole I wouldn't come back if need be. So mm. I think that's the thing. I think the other thing is the language of passport, because, and that's another thing that's gone in the media, because one of the things is, um, it's a certificate, isn't it? It's a certificate to show that you've had the vaccine. Like, and many countries are doing that. So, you know, like yellow fever, when I'm going to Ghana, you're supposed to have your yellow fever certificate <laughs> and hand it over. Just <laughs> <laughs> gotta be careful when it's gonna be shown. Mm -hmm. But you know, you're supposed to have it and show it and get into the country. And so I think that, so I think one of the things about passport is that it, the language adds a lot of um, uh, inflammatory feelings about it. But I think the question that you've asked is the perfect question. That's what I throw back to people. What, will you, what are you willing to sacrifice if not? Because I think that it is, it is dynamic. I don't know what the right thing is to do. Yeah. So yeah. what are you going to do? The government said you can't go cinema, park, well, it's tricky because no. I've had my vaccine. Park, it's, 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 Tesco. You, you, it's, it's, I've, had, I've, I've had my okay, vaccine. Okay, okay. You, you see what I mean? the same thing with me as yeah, well. Yeah, so, mm. this, is, so it's, it's this, a, this, I believe, is a violation of the Nuremberg Code. This is medical coercion. That would be medical coercion. You'd be creating literally med medical apartheid. You're creating a two-tier society where what people are allowed to do or not is based off of them taking an injection. So right? the, that, the, the, the flip argument is okay. that we believe that there's this virus out there, it's killing people, mm. we want to get back to some kind of normality. Mm. To do that, we need to, we need to know who's in what building and when, who's when, spreading when, what. When, when did we ever consider this before? <clears throat> We've had viruses our entire lives. We've had viruses for centuries. This was never no, but to, even... But to Vanessa's point, this, this, never is, even this considered, is not COVID-19 has an over... It's got an over 99% survival rate, <laughs> right? And if you're young and healthy, the survival rate is close to 100%, over 99.9%. Fact. But, but as Fact. I say... 99.9% .9 and you're talking about... how well about, do you live? And yeah. 
We you, and, and, and fine. I, no, because I, but that, that's the thing that I challenge you. Okay, we, but, but we, we all survive. Of, all but... of these. No, 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 no. This is all overblown. Like this has been the most hyped. Vi I've never seen a virus with PR and a fan base and a marketing like I've seen with this propaganda with COVID nineteen. What do you this think has been, this has been think, insane? What do you think governments are trying to do by putting out to centralize power, wealth transfer, and increase control? Obvious. This has been happening. If you view this whole thing as just so how, does that, how does that look? Play, play that out over the next six this, months, 18 months. <laughs> we've been living through it, man. We've got, but, more, but, but, we've, got, we've, we've got more restrictions now than we did last year when 90% plus of the vulnerable population was not vaccinated. It's illegal to leave the country, man. It's illegal to go on holiday. They made it illegal to see your own family. Now they're implementing this passport, which is like some Black Mirror-esque Orwellian dystopian idea where they've taken all of your most basic human rights, freedoms, and liberties, and now they want you to be forced to take an experimental injection, which is still in its trial phase up until 2023, uh, to participate back in normal society. This is the worst. So they I was literally, literally one. Ah, uh, man. I, the fact it's even being considered is enough to make me bounce, man. So like, do, so, so, do, do you guys get the idea, do, do, the perspective of some people idea. that are like, and, this, is a, and, this is an infringement on and also, like, civil and also, liberty? Also, even jumping on what you were saying, right? Mm. We already know that black people are more likely to this be my next hesitant point be, yeah. in the UK, in the USA, in different places. So this is the, this would literally be like, it's discriminatory in general, but actually it would also disproportionately mm. affect the people who are most concerned about this. And that sounds fair. Yeah, and, 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 it, and it breeds more, sorry, just last thing, it breeds even more concern and hesitancy because like, wait, what the hell? Like, if this is about my health and my decisions and my freedoms, like why are you trying to force me to do this, right? The argument, you know, just the, the logical, normal, scientific, reasonable argument should be enough, not, okay, well, we've taken all your freedoms. Oh, you want to participate back in society? You better take this injection or you can't go to the gym, you can't go to the cinema, you can't go to the swimming pool. We're going to shut you out of society and create this two-tier society where you're the underclass because you have not taken part in this. Is that a stretch or is so, that, is that, that's is that possible? That's no, what it so, so um, I, again, I, as I always say, I respect what you're saying. I think that one of the things is that, um, that I, I do feel that, and I worry that with a passport and the language about passports, et cetera, and this, and this kind of d discussion about it, you then, you then, there's a risk of exacerbating um, hesitancy and things like that. So what I would prefer is that there is ongoing discussion for people to feel that they're making a choice of their own and not to feel that they're being pushed into it. They have to. Yeah. We've, we, you've got to recognise though, and this is the challenge that I have, and I think I'm, I always want to speak about it, is because whilst I acknowledge that a lot of infringements have happened in our um, civil liberties or you know, whatever language you want to use about it, what should have been done? Because we had an infection that was rising up significantly, people were dying, it, re it related to us how we interacted. Happy to, happy we saw that. those two weeks before Christmas where we were opened up more and what happened in that second wave. We know that after, when we knew that um, uh, COVID was circulating and in those early days when people went to all those matches and things like that, we know that when you have large amounts of people together, the transmission happens. So how do you manage it? It's about collective responsibility. And I think that um, there is no perfect way. And I don't agree with all the ways that have been done. I don't agree with oh, all the been messaging. A, it's been a disaster. But I do feel that mm. um, 
some something needed to be put in place. Agreed, but can I can I okay Just so briefly, yeah sure. So I mean I've, I've been saying this for literally over a year. <laughs> Anyone who follows me on Twitter, I've been consistent on this over a year. Um, so firstly. It's not, we don't need to paint a false dichotomy. A lot of people face, face a false dichotomy of, okay, we need to shut down the entire country and economy and lock 65 million people in their houses or just let it rip, right? There's a lot of space between those two areas, right? I've never said just, okay, just let the virus rip through and kill everyone that's gonna kill and don't do anything. I've said, we've known from early, this time last year, we knew that 90% of the people dying from this thing are people who are over 60, who have pre-existing health conditions. We've known this forever. It's the same in every single country. And we've gone with this foolish one-size-fits-all approach, which is totally unnecessary, right? And totally ignoring all of the consequences and the, the dire consequences of the lockdown, which is this lo these lockdowns and measures, if they haven't already, it's highly likely that they will end up killing more people than the virus did itself in, in all the various ways, whether that's people missing cancer treatments, whether that's increased suicide from mental health issues, whether that's uh, people fall, millions of people becoming unemployed and losing uh, opportunities and falling into despair. Um, there are so many negative consequences to this blunt force lockdown, or just, just shut down everything, take the kids out of school, all of that. It's so unnecessary, it was but, never necessary. But just to respond to that, sure. um, so again, I, as well, I'm completely mindful of the longer term impacts of lockdown, mental health, well-being, yeah. etc. There, there is a lot, whether there's misdiagnoses, etc. Mm. So I, I think that is really important to acknowledge as well. I, and, and I do think we cannot dismiss the impact of long COVID. Long COVID sure. is coming out more sure. and more. And we as communities need mm -hmm. to be more aware of it and have conversations about that. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, the dichotomy that you've just talked about, you, you, Bill, you said, okay, I, you, you don't want a one size that fits all, no. and you wanted it differential. Yes. But then, in the argument that you're saying that we're going into this world of uh, Black Mirror, no, 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 and I have to be cautious because oh, I, I, I haven't I, watched I, Black Mirror. Sure. <laughs> don't want to use it yeah, in vain. But <laughs> when, when, when you talk about it like mm. that, and that's, that's the concern that I have in the conversations because. Yeah then people look at it like we're either being manipulated or we're not. Okay. And it isn't as simple as that. Okay. You know, it, it, it's complex. So I, I, I want to say for the bat, and I've been consistent on this. Everyone, anyone who knows me knows. I've been, mm. Off the bat, I've opposed all of the mandates. I've opposed all the lockdown mandates. I've opposed the mask mandates. I've opposed all of them, right? I'm in favor of guidelines. I'm in favor of guidelines, right? So if you're over 60 or, and or you have a pre-existing health condition, your probability of dying from this thing is thousand times more likely than someone who's young and healthy. So we recommend social distancing. We recommend shielding. We recommend, you know, taking whatever precaution that person feels is necessary. Mm -hmm. I would still oppose, look, if someone is 80 years old, they've managed for eight decades to not die. So I trust just as we do every time we do anything in the world, everything has a risk associated with it. Everything, driving a car, flying, going, everything has a risk, right? We've always just accepted that as a society. And so I'm very much in favor of giving people, giving people the information, giving people facts, giving people guidelines, and then allowing people to take whatever precaution is necessary, right? So if people, even, a, even after all, everything opens up, if someone is still shook and they, or they're genuinely vulnerable and they want to stay at home and they want to continue being, living in their bubble and be, you, that's, your, that's totally within your right. It's always been within your right. I'm not trying to say, hey, you know, you have to go out there and go to a football match. But, but if you do want to go to a football match, or if you're 18 years old and you do want to go to a party, you, God bless you, go ahead. I've, I've, I say this now, I said this last year, I said this my entire life. 
I that's 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 where I'm at. Okay, it's the, it's the governmental top-down coercion and mandates that I have concerns a great about concern with and always have. Yeah. Final question to all three of you: yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> What are your what are your biggest concerns about how this ends? Okay. Thought of you, Leo. I think it's more the case where. Oh, what's the mental aspects? What's the fallout regarding that? Um, I reckon, but this is more to do with the lockdowns. When are lockdowns going to end? I do still feel that, well, yeah, again, if I'm involved in vaccine production, I'm going to be an advocate of vaccine production I'd hope so. and the rollout, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I do feel that we need vaccines to allow us to get on top of everything. Um, I'm just more worried about, as I said before, the mental aspects within our community. What, what are the mental aspects of us being in lockdown, coming out of lockdown. I'm hoping that in terms of vaccines and that side of things, we will have more of an understanding of how they work. There'll be more representation for us and more understanding of the scientific basis behind it. And just hopefully with that, yeah, we get back to a new normal because it's not going to be the same thing at the end of the day. Doobie, what's your biggest concern about where this may end? My biggest concern throughout this whole thing, as you can probably tell, has been creeping authoritarianism and government totalitarianism, right? That's been my biggest concern all the way through. On top of that, the impact of the response, this is part of that, um, but as you mentioned, the, the, the mental health aspects, um, the, the debt that's been created, the impact this is gonna have on children, born and unborn, the amount of debt that's been created, inflation, all of these, I feel the, the approach has been so myopic and the, the focus has been so obsessed on COVID, 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 that people are not thinking and haven't been thinking properly and clearly about the, uh, the flip side of it, the impact of the measures that are being taken. So um, in terms of what's been happening, like I'm very, even though I'm personally, I personally don't need the vaccine at this point, I want everyone who wants it to get it, right? I want everyone who wants it yeah. and is comfortable getting it to get it. I don't want them to be coerced. I don't want them to be bullied. I don't want them to be shamed. I don't want them to be lose their civil liberties for choosing not to, et cetera, right? All of that is very, very disturbing to me. Um, so, th- so that's my own position. It's, I'm, it's very, I'm very much a live and let live type yeah. of guy that hasn't <laughs> changed for me just because there's been a virus going around. Um, I, I maintain all of that. So I just try to be consistent and be honest in those positions and, and, and just be empathetic, you know, recognize other people's concerns. Some people are way more concerned on what this means for their freedoms and their rights. Some people are more concerned about the, the virus itself and the effects short term and long term, et cetera. Some people are concerned about both, all of that. And I think people just need to be respectful about it. I've really enjoyed this mm, conversation. Yeah, yeah, it's been very great. respectful. And I think if people were doing this yeah. all around, everyone would just be a bit more like, mm. okay, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's been very... Yeah. Uh, uh, final word to you, Vanessa. What's your biggest... Fast forward a year, 18 months. What's your biggest concern about where we're, where we're heading? Just unnecessary death and unnecessary morbidity, so unnecessary complications of COVID if we could have broken the chain of it. The other thing that I really want to make sure that we see in a year, like you've just said, is like more things like this. As a community, I don't think we've been as aware about our health and differences and how things can affect us and how we can advocate us as, for ourselves as much as we have in COVID. So I just want to see, I would be really saddened if we didn't build on this momentum and think about, right, how do we make sure we've got awareness in our communities? How do we advocate and empower our communities so that we're like moving forward to 
health that is equitable for all. And so for me, that's my fear that we don't, that we lose this energy that we've got as a community as well. Amen to that. Um, Vanessa, Leon, and Zubi, thank you very much uh, for coming on the show this week. I really appreciate that. Um, a really good discussion there about hesitancy, where this could lead, uh, civil liberties, and people who have concerns on both sides as well. Leave your comments and your questions in the, in the chat box below. Um, follow us across all of our socials. We're here on blackademic.com. Until next time, peace. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.